even when I was in the depths of my, my school loan debt, you know, I just took a step back, evaluate the situation and say, what plan can I put in place to, to chip away at this and do it pretty aggressively? And even while I still had that debt, I was able to, again, live below my, my means and find a way to save for that investment because that investment can get you out of that debt sooner. You know, if you think arbitrage, right? Like you're making 10% on your investment and your loans are 6%. I mean, do the math, right? So don't think of debt as something that prevents you from taking action or from investing. It could be the thing that actually helps you in the end. Hello, hello. My name is Abel Pacheco, and you're listening to the Five Talents Podcast. How to build wealth like the 1%. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Five Talents Podcast. How to build wealth like the 1%. I'm your host, Abel Pacheco. I'm the principal of Five Talents Capital. We're a San Antonio, Texas real estate investment firm, and we're actively invested in 1,500 doors of commercial real estate worth $150 million, much of which is right here in San Antonio, Texas, the Alamo City, baby. I'm also a fund manager, a capital allocator, and a servant leader who learned how to invest like the 1%. And on the Five Talents podcast, I enjoy helping others learn and doing the same. So if you're seeking investment strategies to catapult your family wealth and generate passive income, even in today's volatile market, this show is for you. Because each week we're bringing you interviews with PE firms, investment advisors, financial planners, tax strategists, VC funds, and many others who are highly skilled in handling money, good stewards of capital, and individuals who advise the wealthiest 1% on what to do with their money. So each show, we're going to provide you insights and actionable steps that you can implement to become a better investor. You're always going to learn something that you can apply in your own investment journey on the Five Talents Podcast. We hope you enjoy the show. All right. Hello, hello. This is Abel Pacheco, your host for the Five Talents Podcast. We are super excited today. We have the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Tim Little with us. Tim, thanks for joining. Hey, Abel. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, man. I'm excited. Excited to have you on. I know we've connected a number of times at multiple events, but I'm happy we've never got to record a, an interview. So I'm excited you're here, man. And for those that don't know, Tim, you're in for a treat. Just, you know, a great personality, somebody you want to meet with and connect with over there in Florida. He's in a n- number of hundreds of doors, like 500 plus in multifamily as a general partner. So our owner started as a limited partner, passive investor, and just kind of, you know, rose to the ranks and now as full-time real estate. So it's exciting to hear stories like his. For those of you that are active, for those that are passive, we're going to talk about a number of just mindsets and paradigms and things to really help you as a passive investor, you know, determine, hey, where should I put some money and what should I be thinking about and how should I do it? So we're excited and just wanted to take a moment also to thank our sponsors, Anderson Business Advisors, Clint Coons over there doing it right for risk and asset protection. So if you all need some help on that arena, let us know. I'm happy to connect you to them because Anderson Business Advisors have, has been with me for a number of years, probably since 2018, but there'll be show notes, links to them as well. But anyways, I wanted to thank our sponsors. Tim, man, in your own words, give us a heads up. Who are you? 
What did you do? Where'd you come from? And man, let's dig into a great conversation. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So Tim Little, I am the founder and CEO of Zana Investments. And that is named after my two beautiful daughters, Zara and Lana. And that was just the best way that I could find to remind myself every day why I was doing this. You know, I didn't want it to be something trade or contrived. And I was like, well, there you go. That and, you know, they can break that they got a business named after them. So that's that's the start of it. That's awesome. How old are your little ones? You're two. They're four and seven now. So I'm a kind of an old dad, but I'm having a great time with it. I can relate. I can relate. I have a five and a three. <laughs> and I also have a little Lana at the house. So that's awesome. Man. I have Lana too. So nice. It's awesome, man. Well, Zana, that's a great business name. So man, you, you've been doing real estate. You're a general partner and an owner and multifamily. And that's just amazing. You know, tell us a little bit about your background. Have you always been a real estate person? Is your family in real estate? You know, how did the bug kind of come in to what you're doing? Yeah. So real estate is one of those things where I, I was interested in it, you know, a while back, but sometimes you have to be in the right place, in the right mindset, like you said, in the right circumstances before you actually are able to take advantage of it. So, you know, I think the first time I really got interested in real estate was the time a lot of people got interested in real estate, talking like, you know, 2005, 2006. And I was active duty army at the time. But, you know, I was watching all the same shows everybody else was watching about flipping houses and everybody was getting rich in real estate. And I was like, well, that doesn't seem that hard. I could, I could do that. So, you know, I come back from a deployment in Iraq and I go to a, a real estate conference in 2005 you know, buy a, a set of CDs, you know, giving me all the information, drive for dollars, talk to little old ladies whose husbands just died and see if you can get their house for cheap. Like all this stuff that, you know, at now doesn't look so savory, but, you know, I, I'm sure it worked for some folks and really didn't have time to do anything with it. And that may have been a blessing in disguise, right? So I wound up deploying, you know, a year later for like 15 months from 2006 to 2008, pretty much. And by then, you know, that whole house of cards was, was already starting to fall down. And so I count myself lucky in that I got interested, but didn't necessarily invest a lot into real estate at that time. And so got a little scared off for a bit, but started going to, to grad school after I got out of active duty. And I started, you know, slowly building back up to it, reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad listening to podcasts and stuff like that. And it wasn't until I had some money in my pocket when I got my you know, first full-time civilian job after the military and after grad school that I was like, okay, let's relook this. Let's see what we can do. The unfortunate thing was coming out of grad school, I had gone to a private grad school and managed to rack up about $130,000 in, in school loan debt. And as anyone who has that kind of debt can attest, it's almost oppressive. It just feels like this dark cloud that follows you everywhere. So, you know, the first order of business for me was taking care of that, getting that under control. But what I was able to do at the same time was live below my means while I was, you know, getting that school loan debt taken care of and save a little bit on the side. And what I decided to do was, well, hey, you know, first, let me get a property, right? So... What I knew I didn't want to do, which is what most people do, is get a single family house. I was like, I definitely want a multifamily house. But at the time, I was living in Washington, D.C., very expensive market. So 
I had to kind of look outside of that bubble in order to find something that I could afford. And my wife and I wound up buying a duplex in Richmond, Virginia, and you know, put like twenty five thousand down for a duplex that cost eighty five thousand dollars, which was amazing. But you know, it was cash flowing a couple hundred bucks a month, and I I thought that was success. And that's, that's really awesome. where I got started in real yeah, estate. That's awesome. Well, that's awesome, man. That's you know a, a good run. So right, a few things that I heard right. You so you originally started learning about it, getting as much education as you could, CDs, you know, things, videos, whatever those things were, to educational. But you didn't pull the trigger. You didn't actually do any investing, man. Thank you for your service, also. So I think it was the army that I heard, and then you were army yep. reserves a little bit later too, right? So, yeah, I'm still in the army reserves. I'm army reserves now. Okay. Yeah, good. I'm the commander of public affairs unit based out of San Antonio, Texas, actually. Uh, look at that. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for your service actively. And on, I think I heard the tour on duty, right, man? I, seeing some time where you got deployed, man, it's, I couldn't imagine being away from family and things like that. But, and then, you know, back into it. So you made a mindset shift, it sounds like, to actually pull the trigger on your first investment. What was the mindset that actually said, yeah, I'm going to move forward. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to do it this, you know, I'm going to do it this time. <laughs> Yeah. And I guess it's that whole, you know, you can continue to educate, 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 but until you take action, then you're not actually a real estate investor, right? I could tell myself, oh, I'm going to be a real estate investor, but I couldn't actually say it was true until I bought my first property, no matter how many conferences I went to, no matter how many podcasts I listened to, I was not a real estate investor until I actually bought a piece of real estate. So that kind of pushed me over that edge of, of getting something, even if it was something small, you know, I figured I would build up later, but yeah, 2014, I bought that duplex. And then that was the start of it. And then I really you know, started looking at the larger side of multifamily because like a lot of new investors, I did the math, right? Like, okay, how many doors do I need to reach my financial freedom number? And <laughs> you start looking at it, you're like, oh, oh my you know, 50 doors, 80 doors in order to like, you know, replace both your incomes. And you're like, that seems untenable and not scalable at all. So yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I agree, Tim, 100%, man. I Years and years and years for myself, we invested in single family for like eight or nine years. We finally got to eight or nine houses. When I got to 10, you know, looking at the math and I go, wow, I probably need another 20, 30 more years before I'm at a position where I have enough cash flow, positive net flow, cash flow to live the same lifestyle that I was working as a good paying W-2. So when I did the math, I go, there's got to be a different way. So I talked to a lot of in investors that you know have the same mindset. I'm going to invest one at a time, duplex, single family, maybe a quadplex. I get big. But you know when you do the math, it takes a long time to get there. So I, I understand. The other part that I heard, there's a lot of education that you can consume, podcasts, books, conferences, seminars, things like that, where you really learn as much as you possibly can in you know the real estate realm, in the investing realm. But unless you pull the trigger, unless you actually start investing, and it, it might as well be entertainment at that point, because if you don't take action, nothing's going to change, right? Exactly. And so that's, and that's, it was kind of like that crawl, walk, run that I did, you know, the crawl being the duplex. And then once I discovered syndication, which is another thing, you know, why people like you and me talk to so many people about it is because they just don't know it's a thing. 
until they do. Right. And it's like, oh, you know, you get a peek behind the curtain and you're like, I didn't know this was an option. And so you want to share that with people. And once I figured out that syndication was a thing, I think I went to a conference in Texas. It was like a Brad Sumrock event. And it was like drinking from a fire hose because there was a lot of educational element to it. And then, of course, there was the hard pitch at the end. (laughs) But, you know, what I got out of that is this is a business model that makes sense. And what I committed to then was not necessarily doing it on my own. You know, I wasn't ready to jump into that. But I was like, let me try this out as a passive investor and then kind of earn while I learn. So because I'm providing the money, I still have the opportunity to ask questions. I really get to see what it's like from the passive investor side and, you know, really understand what their concerns are because I had these questions. And at first, I didn't know the right questions to ask. Luckily, I had a sponsor who was patient and was able to (laughs) be like, yeah, don't worry about that. That doesn't even make sense, you know, but very politely and be like, this is what you need to be looking at and really give the answers to the questions that I had. Because when you're doing your first passive investment, you know, that's, I was nervous, right? I mean, 25,000 may not seem like a lot of money to some people, but to me, it was a lot of money. And to most first time investors, it's a lot of money. So you never know where it's going to go. And, you know, until you get that first distribution check and really until it goes full cycle. And that first deal was, I think it was like a 136 unit in San Antonio with a guy that you probably know named Reed Goosens. And this was back in 2017. So I got in on that deal and I was like, okay, this is, I got that first distribution check, right? That's where the light bulb goes off and you're like, this is a real thing. I'm, I'm not going to end up on, you know, American Greed or, or anything. And from there, I was kind of convinced. And the timing involved there was, again, another deployment. I knew I was about to go on a deployment in 2018. So, I wouldn't have time to, you know, do the whole course that they were pitching me on and, you know, do it actively. So that really gave me the opportunity to be patient with my money, let it grow while I was, you know, off in Baghdad and still listen to all those podcasts and do everything else while I was over there in the free time that I did have and then be ready to kind of move forward once I got back. All right. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Got to got to keep taking action and education and, you know, learning as much as you can before, you know, you make a move. And once you make a move, hey, your money's out there, but how to continue the process. And it sounds like you've continued the process. So what was it initially that mindset shift that allowed you to go from, you know, my first passive investment to say, you know what, this could be something I can pursue. I can, you know, do more in real estate. I can be a general partner. I can put deals together. I can be a finder. I can you know, run the assets. What was it that mindset shit that led you this way? Well, I think a lot of people when they're, you know, a lot of people get excited about it, right? When they find out about it. And then the next question, you know, that we usually ask ourselves is, okay, where can I add value? Right. And so I looked at my background and my skill set. A lot of it is strategic communications. That's what I've done, you know, on the civilian side, working for government clients, working for HUD, as the head of communications for them. So I could definitely do like the investor communications piece. I wasn't concerned about that. But also more more so as a, a military officer, I'm good at planning. I'm good at looking and identifying problems and then finding ways to fix them. And so I saw that that was really applicable on like the asset management side of things, seeing how the property manager runs it and finding efficiencies there. 
and then really managing the manager. So that's where I thought I could add the most value. And so again, went to another conference, met up with a bunch of guys and gals that I thought I meshed well with. And a few of us found a deal here in Tampa that seemed like a good deal. And we were all really hungry, right? So we wanted to take a deal down. And luckily, since it's in my backyard, I could also be boots on the ground. I could help out on site and not just be that distance person. So we were able to take down a deal, 59 unit portfolio. So it wasn't huge, but for us, it was a big deal because for a lot of us, it was our first deal as a GP, right? Cool. So we were able to so you do went that. From, uh, like, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so I think that was 2019 um, awesome. that that happened. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Five Talents Podcast with me, your host, Abel Pacheco. And since you're listening to the show right now, I wanted to break for a moment to tell you thank you so much for subscribing and following the show. I also want to give you access to our simple wealth case study for busy professionals that we explain how we invested in $150 million of commercial real estate to generate passive income. So I'm sharing with you how I personally build wealth like the 1% and explaining how you can create passive income in real estate without having to manage it yourself. So do yourself a favor, take a moment now and go to www.5talents.capital. That's the number five talents, T-A-L-E-N-T-S dot capital. And you can register, watch our video recorded case study, and we're going to give you access to our investment club as well. If you want to see like all of our next moves, every single investment move that we make, future investment opportunities, and even perhaps invest alongside us, go to our website now. We look forward to sharing more. You can register at www.5talents.capital. And we look forward to having you as part of the club. So you went from your duplex, you pulled the trigger, bought a duplex, leased one side out, lived in the other. You were cash flowing a little bit. And it was like, oh, light bulbs go off. Your education becomes real. You go make it happen. You put a little bit more into this larger deal, which you don't have to manage, passive investment. That's a beautiful thing. Then the third part is, oh, you know, I'm going to go buy this 59-unit portfolio. So a few properties. Was that the first time you're pulling capital together? Not your own money, pulling others, everyone as a team to kind of go buy something bigger than you would have been able to do on your own? Or Yeah. And I didn't... So I didn't raise any money on that deal, but it was okay. my first time coming together with other GPs, putting okay. my own money into the deal, which was significantly more than like that first passive deal that I had done. So... High yeah. level of did y'all raise any from, capital or was it all your own money at this point? Yeah, some of the other partners did, but I didn't on that first deal. Cool. Okay. More than one partner, though, is what I'm hearing. A few oh, general oh, yes. partners, <laughs> a few passive investors. Okay, cool. And you know that for you, that was 2019. Was that right? Yep. Okay. Yep. That's awesome, man. Well, congratulations. And where is that property or the properties, so, the portfolio? Yeah. So I think like the largest unit of that portfolio was like 23 units. And then, but they were all in pretty close proximity. But yeah, because of just the COVID environment and everything else, we went yeah. full cycle on that deal in a little less than two years. Cool. Um, and where was it located though? Oh, it was in North Tampa. Oh, that's awesome. Well, that's great, man. And then for those that don't know, full cycle, we bought it, we sold it, people got their money back, made a return. That was great, man. And what was the next move for you? 
Yeah. So the next move, I maintained contact with some of those folks that I had worked with on that first deal. And, you know, you kind of find the people that you work well with others. You're like, eh, he's okay, but not going to work with him again. And I found <laughs> some partners that it happens. It happens. Right, right, right. That I meshed with. And so now there's about like five of us that we work together on, on a lot of deals. And even though we maintain our separate, you know, brands, our, our companies, if you will, we co-GP as a team with other GP entities. And that's a way to kind of keep like the deal flow going. We're still trying to find, you know, our own deal to be the lead GP on, because obviously you get a bigger slice of the pie, you have more control, etc. But at the same time, a lot of people don't understand that if you don't keep a pipeline of deals, then, you know, the money's not coming in, right? This isn't a do one deal and you're financially free kind of business. Although some gurus may, may make it out that way. It is not the case. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I will add, ultimately, if you want to continue and have continuing success in real estate investing, it's unfortunately not a one and done thing. It is a <laughs> continuous grind of finding new opportunities, finding new investments, riding a wave of turbulent up and downs, potentially through the market cycles and trying to figure out what your strategy is going to be in the future, right? So the continuous you know, underwriting or analyzing or finding or looking at more deals, talking to new brokers, networking, putting your feelers out there for what's available. And in addition, you know, in our world, when we're syndicating something bigger than what we would have been able to buy on our own, we're trying to find more investors. So having the conversations about what people are looking for in terms of investment and returns. And so those you know, ongoing continuous cycles. I agree. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say, and then, you know, that doesn't mean that, you know, we necessarily stop passive investing either, right? So I know you've had guests before come on your show and, and talk about, you know, self-directed retirement accounts. And I have one of those as well. It's not huge, but I had this orphaned. 401k just kind of sitting out there doing nothing, you know, invested in the stock market, which I'm not a huge fan of. And I just wanted to have more control over it. So I put it into a solo 401k since I have an LLC, I'm, I'm a company. And, you know, so far that solo 401k, I've had, I put that money into hard money loan, which is pretty non-traditional. And I've put it into other people's syndications in assets types that I'm not invested in. That way I get more of that diversification. And some of those have already gone full cycle. And then I just reinvest them into someone else's deal and kind of don't have to worry about it, right? That's the long-term plan for down the road. Yeah, right on. And just kind of keep it going. So essentially, you, you've done a number of things, right? And now you're looking at or you have a 500-door you know, portfolio of investments, right? So most of those are multifamily. Maybe give us a rundown of the sizes today. What are you doing recently? Yeah. And so most of those, yeah, well, they're all multifamily. The most recent was acquisition in Atlanta because I really like the Atlanta market. It's one of those markets that even though some are, you know, shrinking a little bit, Atlanta continues to grow, population growth, job growth. So we just completed a raise and closed on that. I think it was two months ago now. So that's in its beginning stages, right? You know, property management is in place. We're starting to do the CapEx, all the renovations. And then we have others that are a little further along in Dallas, in Tallahassee. And some of them are different types of deals. And I think that's one thing that passive investors, 
need to understand that may not be clear when they're first looking at it is, you know, they hear the business plan, but there's different levels of risk and timeline associated with implementing different business plans. I'll just give a, a quick example, like the one we did in Tallahassee, that was a student to market conversion, right? So when we bought it, it had zero occupancy because they waited for all the students to get out. We were going to renovate the entire thing at once, just, you know, get it knocked out. And then as buildings, you know, got completed, we made them available, leasing them out. But that's a very different risk profile and timeline for returns than compared to something that's already stabilized at 90% occupancy and you're just throwing some paint on it, you know, some very cosmetic changes or amenities that you're adding to it where you might see distributions, you know, within the first quarter, right? But those heavier lifts, it may be a year or more before you see those distributions. And I think that's fine as long as investors understand that. It's just that communication piece on the part of us as the operators to explain that to people who may not know to ask. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's, you know, on this moment, we'll talk about the risk and also, man, some of the debt. So you closed a deal a couple of months ago. That was a fun one, I'm assuming. Uh, loan to values and percentages. And they're like, well, what's happening right now? So we record this January 2023, the timestamp it, right? The Fed has just been moving rates up and up and up to the right, nonstop, and they're on a tear. The projection is the interest rates are going to continue rising all the way till J- June, mid-June, and then start to taper off a bit, but remain relatively, quote unquote, high, what we've ex- been, been experiencing for the next year, year and a half, right? So during that run, if you had a deal under contract five, six months ago that finally closed recently, you know your loan to value was probably different than when you came into it. Your interest rates were probably higher. You may have done some fixed, may have done some assumptions, but there's all these things that are changing. And you know, if you're a passive investor, you're trying to figure out, well, how do I know what to look for? How do I know what to you know think about? There's all different basis of risk. But I purchased a deal today, purchased a deal a year ago, different risk factors, right? So that's the reason why I asked him, like, man, tell us about this deal two months ago. Like, how, what kind of, what obstacles, challenges did you face? What kind of risks, you know, did, did mindsets were you coming into just closing this deal? Yeah. And so, I, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. The, the fact that it's been changing so quickly is what's, I think, jarring for everyone in this market. You know, the difference between like one year ago today and today is vast. And so what we saw was obviously rates that aren't nearly as attractive. If you're looking at because most people were doing bridge loans, you know, a year ago, that's what you do. And a lot of those were variable rate within a range. And then so people were getting rate caps, you know, maybe 2%. So say, you know, you have a loan at 4% and you have a rate cap on it so that it doesn't go above 6%. Well, you're like, that's fine. It will never, ever go above 6%, right? That, that, this was the thinking, you know, a year or two ago. And obviously we've blown past a lot of what we assumed would be the worst case scenarios. So, you know, ratio, right? And going from 80% down to like many banks are pushing it down to 65 you know, 60 in some instances, de- depending on on the case. But rates are higher. You know, the willingness to lend in terms of ratio is much lower. So, yeah, you just have to stay on top of it because when rates are changing every day, the most important part is locking things in. I don't think bridge is as, 
as attractive as it was before. And we're looking at a deal right now. It's on the smaller side, right? Like 20, 22, 24 units. But that's where you can get a little more flexible with your terms and maybe get that seller financing that could be your savior. You know, if you can get like, you know, 4% seller financing, well, then maybe that's a lot better than what you're going to get from the, the bank. But either way, for this deal, we were able to get it across the finish line. And you just have to keep running the numbers, right? Like, you can go back and forth with the bank, but as long as you underwrite conservatively and not just at you know what you're hearing now, but again, factoring in that that worst case scenario and you know higher cap rates down the line instead of assuming that cap rates will just go down, then that's what the passive investors need to be looking out for in terms of I think what you were hitting at is hey they have different questions they need to be asking now compared to. A year ago. And right now they need to be much more focused on the lending, the assumptions, you know, two to four to five years out, because if they're not being super conservative in what the environment is going to look like when it looks like it's going to continue to go up for at least the next year or two, then they could find themselves in some trouble like a lot of operators are today. Right on. Right on. That's good insights. Thanks, Tim. Well, man, if anybody wants to reach out to you directly or connect with you, where should they go? Give them a couple of spots so they can reach out to you, brother. Sure. I try to stay really active on LinkedIn and provide some value there. So Tim Little on LinkedIn. You can catch me by email, tim at zanainvestments.com. And then if you want my free ebook, it's the Passive Investors Cheat Sheet really goes over like all the jargon and acronyms that we use here in multifamily and breaks it down in a really easy to understand way. You can go to zanainvestments.com slash cheat sheet. Right on. Well, Tim, thank you very much for joining us. It's been awesome talking to you, man. Is Before we go, any last words of wisdom, any last, you know, mindsets you want to share with everyone and, you know, really just want to give you an opportunity to share anything else we didn't get to, to talk about today? Yeah, I would just say, you know, we talked about a lot about taking action. And I think we can always come up with reasons not to take action. That's probably the the easy part, right? But even when I was in the depths of my, my school loan debt, you know, I just took a step back, evaluate the situation and say, what plan can I put in place to to chip away at this and do it pretty aggressively? And even while I still had that debt, I was able to, again, live below my, my means and find a way to save for that investment because that investment can get you out of that debt sooner. You know, if you think arbitrage, right? Like you're making 10% on your investment and your loans are 6%. I mean, do the math, right? So don't think of debt as something that prevents you from taking action or from investing. It could be the thing that actually helps you in the end. All right. I love it. That's a great mindset. Well, Tim, thank you very much. We sincerely appreciate you know your time here on the Five Talents Show. If you learned anything from this show, which I know there was a few nuggets that you took some notes on, hopefully go to our show, like, rate, subscribe, review, do all the things, share it. We'd be appreciative. Reach out to Tim, let him know that you heard our conversation on the Five Talents podcast. We appreciate it. So thank you. We'll look forward to seeing you on the next show. Tim. Appreciate it, brother. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Abel.
Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Five Talents Podcast with myself, your host, Abel Pacheco. We really appreciate you liking, following, subscribing, and leaving all the written reviews for the Five Talents Podcast. Each week, we're going to continue to bring interviews with private equity folks, VCs, advisors, financial planners, strategists, tax strategists, and other stewards of capital, many of which advise the wealthiest 1% on what to do with their money. So we appreciate you joining. Also, if you want to be notified of monthly future events we're hosting or attending, and if you want exclusive access to the same investment opportunities that have largely been reserved for the wealthiest 1%, many of which you've rarely ever heard about, go now to our website, watch our wealth building case study, and register to be added to our investment club. We're going to send you future opportunities, and you'll be able to watch all the moves that we make firsthand. Your investment journey is waiting for you to take the next step. So what is the next step? Go to www.thenumber5talents.capital. That's 5talents.capital and register today. Thank you again. We can't wait to bring you the next show. And thank you for liking and subscribing.